I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And with us today for the first part of the pod, it's our good friend Nikki Jabvala from the Washington Post. Nikki, always a pleasure to have you. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So you have uh, you have some, uh, some experience with a couple of the folks who have interviewed for the Commander's Offensive Coordinator job. I know you uh, are a big fan of Eric Studesville. Uh, you've talked about it in a co- like yeah. Times Pod, and and we were just talking a little bit before we started recording. What do you like about Eric Studesville? Slash, what can you tell us about Eric Studesville? Yeah, I think first of all, he's a really good guy. He's a he's a good human being, um, well respected within the league. I think players really like him. Um, you know, I was oh, my dogs say hi. Um, hey, dogs! <laughs> sorry, about dog friendly podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, he was he was really well respected. Um, I I crossed over with him in Denver. Um, he was a running backs coach, and prior to when I arrived, he was their interim head coach um, when Josh McDaniels got fired. Um, probably should have been a Denver lifer. I don't know why they ever let him go, quite frankly. But he's gone on to do good things and is in a good spot with Miami. So um, I I really like him. I I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good coach. He's been in multiple systems. Um, so he could really come in and, and shake things up if that's what they want. It's something that I've always found interesting about like media members is how do you determine whether he's a good coach or not? Because it's not like you're in the meeting with him. Is it like conversations with players? And then like, if so, like what are those pieces of evidence that inform that, that perspective? I, I think a couple things. I think one is just seeing how he develops young players. And he, I thought he did that really well in Denver. They had a number of young backs, a lot of guys that they drafted. And you could really see that that growth and development. I, I mean, they took C.J. Anderson um, undrafted, I think. And, and he went on to really help them in a Super Bowl. I think he got a Pro Bowl um, selection. So mm-hmm. he was that was instrumental to, to that offense, especially in their Super Bowl year. Um, and I think the, the respect he has – from players and from other coaches just within the locker room. Um, you know, he really took care of his guys. There were some things mm-hmm. that happened behind the scenes and I that I knew about that he, he really helped players when they needed it. Um, so I, I, I think he's he's really out for their best interest. And I, I don't know that you can say that for every coach in the league, um, but I know the players there felt it and, and they mm-hmm. really felt strongly about Sudisville. 
So there's kind of two, I would say, concerns about him as an OC. Uh, one would be he's been in all the systems, but does he have one that's his own? And then the obvious second one is his lack of experience as a play caller. How do you think he, one, what would he actually be looking to run if he got his own his own offense? And two, what kind of faith do you have in him to figure out the play calling element? Uh, because that obviously the sequencing and some of that stuff was a huge uh, issue here last year with Scott Turner. Right, right. Well, I mean, he did do it for a short stretch in Denver when he was an interim head coach. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, he's 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 been in a number of systems. He's primarily been in a West Coast or versions of the West Coast. I mean, I think Mike McDaniel's is more like Kyle Shanahan's, but he's he's been with uh, Mike Shanahan. He's been with Gary Kubiak. So, you know, that's kind of his bread and butter. I would think he would want to run something more aligned with that. I do think Scott Turner did some. West Coast principles, but it was still mostly, you know, the the Norv Turner system was the Air Coriel system. So um, I would I would think if he came in, he would want to do something more aligned with that. And that kind of goes back to this whole thing with Washington is, you know, they have a staff built primarily from Ron's time in, in Carolina. They've run the same system. They're trying to replicate a lot of the things they did in Carolina from, you know, five, six years ago. Is he willing to change up? Um, and, and try something different. And, and I think that's where that's where Eric Studisville could be good because they could push him to get a little bit more creative and try something different. But I would imagine that he would run want to run something more aligned with, you know, his experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, another thing that I think is kind of interesting is, like, obviously he's a good coach. Obviously the players like him, according to you. And I think there there is a tremendous value there. But do you, does he strike you as a guy who would make a good coordinator? Because I've played with a lot of position coaches who were fantastic coaches that that was like that was where they were at their best. And right. do you think he has that kind of transcendent ability? Yeah, I honestly I don't I don't know just because he, he hasn't made that jump yet. And I think it is a difficult one. Um, and I think that's kind of the question you have for any, you know, first year play callers. And that's essentially what he would be mm -hmm. um, is can they take what they had, the respect they had, and can they make that leap? Because play calling is a whole different animal, you know? Sure. Um, and, it, and, and it's tough. Yeah, um, and I guess like, you know, like with a guy like Sean, for example, everyone, you know, like Kime, you know, anybody in the in the room kind of knew, does he have that quality? And is there is there maybe a reason that he's 55 and hasn't had this opportunity before? Yeah, I mean, I, all fair questions. Um, I think he's been looking for the right gig. Mm. He's had interviews in the past. I think he interviewed with the Jets. Um, mm. He was elevated to assistant head coach for a while. Um, so, yeah, I think he's kind of been looking for the right opportunity, and they don't always come open. But, yeah, yeah I think these are all fair questions. I honestly I, – I don't know because it's one of those – until you see him in that position, you don't really know how he's going to fare. Um, but yeah, it's, it's totally fair to speculate, you know, why hasn't he gotten that opportunity at this point? But I, th I think that's, and that's kind of the broader question with the league too, is you see guys get this opportunity two years in as a positional coach and then others who have been working for 20 years and like, what's, what's the discrepancy? So, <laughs> right. That's a whole different podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> definitely a, a lot to unpack that we could unpack, but we don't have time. Yeah. Instead, I'll just ask you about a guy who's gotten that opportunity multiple times. That is Pat Shermer. Cause yep. you also crossed with him briefly in Denver, uh, his time in Denver. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there who maybe not as psyched about as say some of the folks in New York or some of the other stops that he's had, certainly Minnesota, uh, where we had great success with Case Keenum in that one magical year. Um, 
what are your impressions of Shermer and his ability as an offensive coordinator and a potential fit in Washington? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was totally not surprised that, you know, they, they were quick to interview him. Uh, Ron was interested in him in, what is 2013 as well when he was with the Panthers. So um, it makes sense to me. It would be sort of a similar hire to what they've had. Um, mm. so not much would change. Um, you know, I think, yeah, Pat Shermer has definitely had his moments where he's, he's had a lot of success, you know, and I, I think that experience definitely is important. He's worked with young quarterbacks. He's worked with um, veterans. So he's, he, is one of those who could step in and you could trust that he knows what he's doing. Um, the track record leaves a little to be desired, but that doesn't always fall on the, the play caller or even the head coach. Um, you know, there, it, it wasn't all roses in Denver. I mean, I was there for his first six months. So I, I came out before like training camp even started. It was more like the hiring phase and watching him build a roster and everything. Um, but it, it quickly kind of disintegrated from what it sounded like there. And, you know, he was there. Are, there are a number of interesting moments and in clips. I think they had a game of 158 net rushing yards of 18 rushing yards on 17 carries. So um, there's an infamous clip of, you know, him saying they practice incompletions to stop the clock which is all like silly stuff, but it, it just kind of spoke to the broader picture of, you know, how they didn't feel like they had a, a, a ton of success there. And obviously like you, you know, you spoke very high, highly of Studsville and kind of his, you know, relationship with the players, like, and I know you were there very briefly with Shermer, but did the players, how did the players respond to him in, in your experience? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't there to see all Enough, of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, it was more hearsay from other mm. reporters in Denver. Um, but, you know, any time a team is not winning or succeeding, there's always going to be attention. There's always going to be something, right? And it's and it's a case whether it's with a good coach or a bad coach. So it's not really a an accurate reflection of his ability as a play caller. He has had some success. Mm. Um, they didn't have it there. I, I thought he had some, in, certainly in New York, definitely with Case Keenum in Minnesota. So he's certainly more than capable I think in terms of you think in terms of what this team wants to do, I think that's going to be the ultimate deciding factor with where they go with OC. So that was going to be my next question is like, if you just focus on your reporting here and, and mm -hmm. think about what, you know, Ron wants, there's all this talk about the, the two to one run to pass thing. And I think that quote got so blown out of proportion yeah. because like it was nobody's going to accept the Steelers, the century, like, well, what? right. And also Martin was d responding directly to what happened in the Dallas game, which right. was they got out ahead and then that's like, yeah. Would they love to be ahead by 20 points in every game and then just run the clock out and finish two to one. Sure, but like they clearly want to be a run-heavy team. That is something that they have been very clear about. Ron loves his two-back system, all of that. So how much say will the OC have in some of this stuff? And, and also, if you look back, like what were the clashes between Turner and Rivera, and why couldn't they get on the same page when it seemed like both of them had very clear visions that were not the same vision? Yeah, that's, I mean, a good question. I... I... I don't know that they totally weren't on the same page. I think a lot of it, again, comes down to when you're not winning, there's going to be tension. And, and it could have come from higher up, too. Um, but I think there was clearly frustration within the locker room that much we knew um, about the play calling and, you know, simple things like, you know, why they they move the ball up to midfield, which is not always easy to do. And then you just randomly take a shot and, 
you know, sometimes it worked, a lot of times it didn't. They're like, we just wasted this. And like a lot of questions about, you know, some of the decisions that were made. So I think that's kind of where it, that they ran counter to, to what they wanted to do. But, you know, I, 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 I think there are extenuating circumstances in the Sean, in um, Scott Turner's case. And I, I say this not to in any way defend anything or, or take any sides, but, you know, cycling through what eight different quarterbacks, uh, it is quite a bit. You never really get to establish your offensive identity. And I, yeah, I do think Scott wanted to air it out a lot and they had these two backs and, you know, you, you got to run it more. So that's, you know, that that's once you bring in Brian Robinson to the mix and you can see what he can do, especially with Antonio Gibson, I, I think that kind of changes thing that that gives them that identity. They went on that run streak two years in a row. They went on a run streak um, with more of a run first offense. And it's very clear they want to stick with that. So, um, yeah, I, again, I, th- I think that could dictate where they go going forward. And we'll see. I, I, the two to one thing is just, yeah, it's it's not. Nobody. Does. I'm really tired of hearing about it. It's one quote that yeah, got just blown nobody out completely no out of proportion. One, nobody does that. I think it was like the 2004 Steelers were the only team that came close to doing it, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, last year I think the highest run percentage was like 58, percent which is not not close to two to one. But um, so between the two candidates, uh, you know, Shermer and Sudsville, do you think one is a more natural fit? And I think you know, just like calling attention to the fact that it's probably only a year guaranteed kind of thing? Like, do you think yeah. one of these guys fits that uh, criteria a little bit better? Yeah, I, and that's the other thing. You look at Stoosville, he's in a good situation in Miami. He's, you know, he's not looking for work. Does he want to take on that insecurity or the uncertainty with a possible sale? That's up to him. Um, Shermer is probably looking to get back in, obviously. Um, so he doesn't have the same leverage that might give the team, you know, a little bit, you know, a better option there if that's the choice to go with. I also think some of their, their, the other guys they've looked at too, I think Charles London is intriguing too. Mm-hmm. I think they might, from what I've heard, they might look at a couple other candidates too um, before week's end and, and kind of see what their options are and, and decide maybe next week or closer to the Super Bowl. What do you make of the fact that the hiring cycle in general has been so slow around the league? Like you're someone who is not just yeah. obviously well-sourced and reports on the league here in or the commanders here in Washington, but like you're very well-sourced around the league and talk to a bunch of folks. Like, is it just that Sean Payton is looming over it all? And like Justin Herbert's out there in LA needing an OC. So everyone's kind of wanting to prioritize that. Or is there more to it than that? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting year. I mean, some years you feel like everybody's like racing to get their guy and others they have time and they kind of drag it out. And this is one of those. I mean, you're seeing guys get second interviews. I think Giro Evero has had two second interviews with teams already. Um, the Sean Payton deal is unique because not every team can afford him. And it, it sounds like the Saints might be playing hardball. Just from looking from afar, I don't know that. But you think about it, it's not just paying him gobs of money. It's how many picks are you going to have to give up to get them from the Saints who have his rights. So, I mean, that I don't think the Chargers are in the mix for that. I, I think they made that very clear when they kept Staley and, um, you know, made some other changes on the offensive staff. But I don't know if he's holding up the other teams or if it's more they have time to really do their due diligence with these other candidates and, you know, they're taking it. For once, it's, it, it is interesting, though. Okay, of the candidates for Washington, do yeah. you think do you have like a guy that you think is like 
locked in as the guy that you would uh, you would pick. I mean, maybe not you would pick, or you you would speculate Ron would pick. Maybe well, let's do both. Who would you pick, and then who would who do you think that Ron is ultimately going to pick? Um, I mean, I could totally see him going with Shermer, honestly. But um, <laughs> that's kind of I mean, we feel the same way because they yeah. know each yeah. other. It's a year. Like it seems like the right way to go, right? Yeah, I could totally see that happening. Um, who would I pick? I mean, I I. Again, I think Charles London is intriguing. I think Studisville could be intriguing. They're more unknown, so there's risk there. Um, I, I just think they, if they're going to do this, they, you, Shermer feels like a lateral move to me in a sense. Like, you know, what are you really changing? You know, what's a, it was, was is Shermer really better than Scott and, and Turner? I mean, you, I mean, you might know this though, but like, isn't it, it seems like from what he said, he wants to kind of, I don't say make a lateral move, but he wants to kind of stay in the same ballpark. You know, he wants to be, yeah. you know, kind of in the same space because he doesn't want to change the terminology. I yeah. mean, so there is some motivation there to do that, I think. Sure. Because it's been working so well. <laughs> well, that's the thing is you got to get a better version. Yeah. And, you know, Shermer has had well, some of the success as an OC. And like, I, yeah. I do think the one thing that he has over Scott was Scott was a first time play caller and it showed up in a lot of key situations. And, you know, if Shermer can just be better situationally, then they did move the ball at times last year yeah. when they got dedicated. Like if, if you could be better situationally and better, um, in terms of not dedication focus, I guess is the word that I'm looking yeah. for. Like discipline, I guess is really what I'm looking for. Like if you can be more disciplined and better situationally, what they had was okay. It's certainly not Kyle Shanahan. Um, but I also think because of the ownership situation, frankly, I don't know that Ron's going to attract the best offensive candidates. Like there's a lot of things here that point to, they're not going to get that guy anyway. Yeah. So can you just improve on the margins enough to elevate your team into the playoffs from the first team out of it? Yeah. No, and I think that's very fair. I mean, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, ownership and quarterback are going to be their biggest hindrances in this search. They're, they're not going to be able to get their top guy. And you look at you look at the guys that they're interviewing, and they're all intriguing candidates, but they're not, like, the top-of-the-market guys that a lot of the other teams are kind of looking at that are, you know, cycling through. So, you know, which is both a credit to the team, but maybe also due to their circumstances that they're they're interested in giving guys opportunities. Um but maybe they also know that, you know, this this could be viewed as a sort of a lame duck position. Mm. New owner comes in and blows it up, you know, and they don't they don't have that quarterback. You know, they don't they're not one of those teams where it's like we need somebody to come in and, and really develop this young guy. Who is our guy? We the only guy we know is going to be on the roster is Sam Howell. That's it. Right. And that's what, where we're going to go next after we're done chatting with you. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you get us started here. Yeah. Uh, so set, set the table for us fully. Let's, yeah. let's get the full spread out, out here going. Like, what do you think is the direction? All, all arrows seem to be pointing towards Howell, but like, what are the chances that that arrow has actually got a curve in it somewhere and it, and it points a different direction? I wouldn't put anything past the team. Again, I think the ownership situation is the real problem in this because it, it without it I would say yeah they could be real players and trying to get you know a veteran maybe they really seriously look at Derek Carr maybe they maybe they make a play for Aaron Rodgers I don't really see that um but you know who, why why don't you see is, that who, who's gonna who's signing off on that what, what owner is signing off on that you know mm -hmm. yeah 
That, and that's that's going to be always the biggest thing is you want to make big moves. Like, all right, who's signing off on that? Does Do the Snyder sign, sign off on that? Do you wait for the prospective owner, whoever it's going to be, if it happens? I mean, that that's always kind of been the problem going into the season. There's been so many questions about it already, just asking Ron, you know, how long is the leash here to, to really do what you need to improve the roster? And it's still kind of uncertain, but um, – that's where I could see, all right, you bring in somebody who can, let's see what Sam Howell has, bring in, you know, a Taylor Heineke type who can back him up and maybe look in the draft again. And that, I guess, buys you another year. I feel like they're kind of in that same spot year after year. I mean, that was kind of the, the give and take with Heineke is, you know, he really got him in good position, put him in, you know, seventh in the NFC, I mean, in the, in the NFC and put him in, prime position to make a playoff run, but it also sets them back in the draft and trying to find a long-term answer there at quarterback. So, yeah. Nikki Javala, Washington post reader, WashingtonPost.com slash sports, or when they throw the paper at your door in the morning, depending on, uh, you know, where you live. And if you get the delivery service also on Twitter at Nikki Javala, Nikki, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. And, uh, we'll do it again soon. And, uh, you know, hello to the dogs as well. Yeah. Sorry about that. They say hello. Okay. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Take care guys. Thanks, Nikki. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.